I remember you having like sort of a passing enjoyment of it, but it wasn't like you didn't like have the battle gear or anything like that or the cards or anything. Uh, don't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Video Game Podtimism. It's the Optimist's video game variety show where two best friends talk about the wonderful world of gaming. My name is Chase. And my name is David. Chase is doing a cold intro because he wants to get through this podcast because he's been playing so much Pal World. This is simply not true. (laughs) (laughs) We just had a very mature discussion about how we're not going to play Pal World until we understand the topic fully. Here David is, under under minute one, being like, hey man, doesn't that bus look really cool over there? (laughs) Would be so sick if I just hurled you in there. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure you're on your toes right now. I'm 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 Kato. I'm Kato right now. I'm here. I am fully present. I'm locked in to podcasting and gaming. Yes, he he has not been playing Pal World. Just to be clear, everyone. No, he has not been. I will confirm this. I was joking I've been, earlier. I've been reading a lot about Pal World, but I have not enjoyed Pal World. Nerd reading about a game. I know, dude. Like, what is it? What is it even coming to anymore? I mean, you're doing the responsible thing. Yeah, maybe. You're being an ethical consumer, potentially. Am I? I don't know anymore, man. It's all bad. It's all, yeah, yeah. Was it like like the good place where it's like, how do you how do you be a good person in our society? There's no ethical consumption under capitalism, David. Listen, listen. We're already we're already (laughs) ninety seconds in. We're already here. This is podtimism. We're here for good feelings. I'm sorry. You're right. I saw I saw how to mess with you, and I took the chance, and it's I derailed okay. it a little bit. So I apologize. I'm on continue, my toes. Continue with you with what you're going to say. You're prodding for weakness over there. You're giving me like jabs in certain parts of my body. I'm to just be trying like, to make sure you that this is <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to make sure this is a, this is an airtight cast, right? A quality product. Yeah. This is this is the hacker testing the uh, <laughs> the defense of whatever internet site. I don't know. There's no good internet site defense. So you just win regardless if you're the hacker. I would think. Yeah, but baby. Anyways, trying trying to hack into podtimism.com, Ooh, our I mean, website. I don't tell me how bad the security is. I don't want to know. <laughs> there's not there's not a lot to secure in there. It's, it's just a link to, to other places. Hey, I would love to hear about what video games you're playing, David. Yes, I have been playing video games and they have been yeah. enjoyable, Chase. I would love I I want to hear. Tell me tell me. The the first one I want to talk about is Horizon Forbidden West. Hello there. This is Chase. After the fact, it's I'm I'm recording this and editing it. What a, what a fun time I'm having. I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, just a little heads up. Uh, David is about to spoil a significant amount of Horizon Forbidden West, and I'm not talking like names of characters. I'm talking like full blown end game spoilers. So hey, if that's something you care about. This is your little opportunity to check your chapter markers or the timestamps that are in the description and uh, just pop pop on ahead if you if you really want to hear what's going on firsthand in your playthrough with Aloy. This right here is me giving you some time to fumble with your phone and go do that. I hope your day is going well and that you have a really good lunch today. Gosh, isn't the, the Wii shopping music somehow incredibly good? The next Switch should have music for its its shop again. It's just silent in the current Switch. They, they should bring back music like it's a Target in 2006. Please. Thank you, Nintendo. I hope that's enough time. Here comes a good discussion 
of Horizon Forbidden West and also a lot of spoilers about that game. Okay, bye. Yes, this is your long quest of a game that you're kind of enjoying. (laughs) Yes, it's been a very interesting road with this game. I beat it. And looking at the game in its entirety now, I understand it quite a bit more. And I think I understand what or, or how they decided to make the game didn't resonate with me. And I think that they could have done it a couple different ways or maybe they had too many ideas Mm. and i think that it would have been better if they went just with one of those instead of trying to do all of them so i think the first thing i want to say is there 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 were too many big villains in the game Mm. there Mm -hmm. was regala regala was she's she's in the beginning that is yeah, like no the, i saw her yeah yeah she is the the rebel uh leader uh, yeah. for the tanakh and then there was a essentially like a ted pharaoh clone i think of some sort or a guy who mm-hmm. thought he was ted pharaoh sure. medicine land who sucked silence yeah. yeah who is also the kind of like or not protagonist but like on again off again friend in the first one yes or like maybe just antagonist in the first one like mostly enemy but kind of frenemy as well yeah. not trying to kill you at the very least it seems for the most part yeah the zeniths who are the who are the humans who went way across space and are immortal and have now come back and then a fifth enemy who is revealed at the end of the game who's setting up for the third game uh so i think there was just too many too many moving enemies yeah sure was the fr- was i think the first thing that that turned me off and i think that if they had just focused on the ted farrow wannabe guy as being the enemy of this game yeah. that would have been so much more enjoyable for me because he was a great mm-hmm. character he was so annoying and awful yeah. that he was just so easy to root against i'm just like you have to you have to own this character and, and stay with that more i think mm-hmm. and i think that when you have a character like that who is just so completely ridiculous is when I connect a lot more with Aloy mm-hmm. um, because her her snark, her like natural snarkiness is like, oh yeah, get that guy. That guy sucks. Yeah. He's awful. As opposed to when she's directing it towards tribes people who kind of don't know any better than who or her about like the yeah. world and are just kind of ignorant when she's being snarky to them about what she knows and she knows they don't know it just Mm -hmm. makes her come off as seeming kind of like holier than thou and mean a little bit it's very bizarre yeah i i feel like that was a weird part of the game where i was like aloy like please stop like berating these people exactly right it's like you can like i'm fine berating people who are willfully ignorant or you know completely and totally full of themselves and just yeah Hot, like who think that they are the reincarnation of a god essentially and can do mm-hmm. no wrong that's great Aloy get that person I love it when you tear that person apart it feels good yes. but when it's you know someone who is clearly kind of scared and then that scare that's that fear is coming out in an aggressive way mm-hmm. which is clear and then yes. she is then like not helping in that at all yeah is kind of sad to see i guess but Th- it feels like there's a little bit of cruelty in there yeah that, it, like it does why, why are we why are we doing this exactly right that does get somewhat resolved by the end of the game she comes around to seeing that uh, like the value of the people living in the world now, mm-hmm. which, you know, was never really something that was stated that she didn't see the value in them, which I think they were trying to go with an unstated story. Yeah. Which yeah. I like those, but I think that they tried to make that unsaid statement so obvious in the beginning of the game that it just was like, this is, it just felt strange seeing Alo so being mean. so kind of yeah. mean to these folks who are, you know, admittedly ignorant and don't know the mm-hmm. ways of the world, but you know, you could do a little bit more to like meet with them on their level at the same yeah. time. 
it's uh, it seems like they were trying to show not tell but the things they were showing were just like kind of Aloy being really mean yeah yeah and I think it would have been like maybe she had a little bit more internal monologue going if she was you know confiding with people who she felt close with these emotions she was having but they made it like across the board anyone that she was interacting with was was not someone that she could trust or count on so you never got you never got that so i don't know if maybe they sowed those seeds in the expansion for the first game which i never i never played that Mm -hmm. but to start off the game like that was jarring to say the least because it just wasn't how i remembered her from the first game i remembered her being like you know the outcast and I think that if they had played into that a bit more with her being the outcast and now being also now seen as a hero, I yeah. think the interplay between those two things could have been interesting of, okay, you all hated me before, but now I give you something and now you love me. Mm-hmm. If they had touched on that a bit more, like this resentment feeling could have been, could have smoothed that transition a bit better. I think bo- both are speaking to her isolation yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Exactly. And I think that there is a good side to, or a, a good angle on that. I, I, but I agree with you that like it, it, it was rare for me to see the soft side of Aloy. Cause I don't I, like, I, at no point did I believe like she's just an asshole now. I didn't really think that, yeah. but that was mostly on the back of me playing the first one. Mm-hmm. Like you, you rarely see that of her saying like, trying to be like, can I trust this person? Will they let me down? Right. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been pretty cool for them to, and maybe this happens, I don't know, but for her to try and trust someone and them to fuck it up really badly. Yeah. Cause then you as the, you as the uh, viewer, like, I wish it didn't go that way. And now mm-hmm. she's got like ammunition for saying like, here's why I can't trust anybody and why I can't rely on anyone. Yeah. And then, you know, of course you can turn that around eventually, but like, I feel like most of the time she just kind of outwardly rejected any help. And yeah, you're right. It did kind of feel like she's, it is speaking to isolation, but a lot of it is just on her own choice. Like she's choosing to isolate herself a lot of the time. Absolutely. She's not accepting any of the help that people are trying to give her. Yeah. And when she does, it's kind of begrudgingly. Yeah. And you know, she does have this moment early in the game where, you know, she almost dies and then Varl, who from the first game comes and saves her. Right. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to try and like bring this guy into the fold because he's just, and not really because like I trust him, but because it still comes from this, this feeling of if I don't bring him in, then I can't protect him. Like I think a lot of what, at least by the end of the game, they were trying to characterize this as was that she cares so much that she doesn't want anyone to put themselves in danger to like risk their lives for what she views as her mission, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the end of the world. So it's like, it's everyone's mission. It should be. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I think that's, that's where they're going with that. But then also the first person that she lets in Varl also ends up dying mm-hmm. in the game in front of her and there's sure. definitely this moment where she's like oh wow i really like she obviously she feels responsible for it in a way because he wouldn't have been in that situation if you know he wasn't helping her they don't necessarily show her coming to terms with that and getting to that conclusion mm-hmm. so and, but and then once again it's that showing not telling sort of storytelling but it makes it more nebulous and a little confusing yeah. when you're doing that in an open world game with these characters and these very complex relationships and so many different relationships and characters in the game uh, that keeps showing up and changing mm-hmm. how everyone interacts together. So yeah, I think it's just like too many characters pare it down a little bit and, and maybe do a little bit more telling and not just show could have made that yeah, feel better. I, I guess if you're, if you're not going to do a good job showing, you yeah. can tell if you need it's, to. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, it, I, I think it just takes so much confidence to do that. Like yeah. the games that I think of that 
are very confident in that way and do hit the mark or like the the god of war 2018 is very confident in showing Mm -hmm. where like there will be many multiple seconds of you just looking at Kratos's face as he's thinking or like responding to something. Yeah. And that you can see whatever he's feeling a lot of the time or mm-hmm. whether it's like, I don't want to do this or there's something I regret in this situation or, you know, I'm having uh, conflicted emotions about something that's happening right now, which is hard. Like that's a hard thing to do specifically in a video game. You may have to like directly facial capture that thing Mm -hmm. but it does go a long way and it sounds like a lot of the scenes that you're describing where you're like did she grapple with that or not i i wonder if it would have been helped by just like letting the camera linger on her and like see what she's feeling you know yeah and i think that that might go back to there's too many people and things because there's just so much that needs to be explained and introduced that you don't have that time to kind of breathe and sit with one interaction that just happened yeah yeah so so yeah i think that that it was very like ambitious i think was what they were going for and i'd rather a game company be ambitious with what they're doing than not try um i just don't know if it hit the mark as far as the storytelling went and you know to Aloy's defense it did make more sense at the end she did have like a little monologue at the end after everything had had resolved she chose like literally to stay on earth and help people at the end of the game Mm -hmm. so that was nice to see and even convinced silence to do the same for the third game so you know she's obviously going like okay yeah people have value people can help me right it's not Mm -hmm. just me helping people which is i guess was the thesis of what they were trying to get at in the game but just got a little muddied for me and then the other thing I want to mention is that how good this one level was where you go into Ted Farrow's tomb mm-hmm. and it's essentially just like a billionaire's like apocalypse bunker and it yeah. is all stylized as an Egyptian pharaoh's tomb, <laughs> right? Has this big statue of him, gold statue of him in this in this room mm-hmm. uh, and you go around and you're collecting all this information and logs about just kind of how things went to shit in there as well because this guy's completely egotistical and nuts yeah. and doesn't yeah. realize it um, and is thinks he's a lot smarter than he is. Once again, love it when they when they put on blast like essentially a guy who I think is analogous to Elon Musk. Really any generic self-centered billionaire. Yeah, you had Elon Musk as Ted Farrow and then the leader of the Zenus is like spot on looks like <laughs> Jeff Bezos, just like yeah. Space Bezos, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, which was really funny to me. Yeah. Um, but this level was so good, and it just reminded me how much I loved the first one because you have mm-hmm. this very different environment of of a world that is so understandable to us, and people are so understandable to us being interacted with and interpreted by people who have no context for that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was it was really really great that sense of discovery of what happened in the past, how these people ended up there. And then also it was more of of a set piece with a small group of folks that really let it shine to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is my bias, but I, I want more like Uncharted as opposed to Assassin's Creed in this game. Mm-hmm. Give me a little bit more of the action-y set pieces where you can really show show off this beautiful world you've created and yeah. really juxtapose the past and the future yeah. uh, or the past and the present, I guess, in that game. Because, man, that level was really good. And there's a really nice surprise where you find out what happened to Ted Farrow in the end. Mm. Uh, really good. So, and I think just in general, the last hour or two of the game of like actual s- story missions were actually quite good. So yeah. I think the like the rest of the game, it felt just felt like the t- game took a long time to ramp up uh, yeah. and get to the part where it really was all working together 
which is kind sure. of when you get to San Francisco and you meet the the Quen, who are the tribe from across the ocean who comes over and they have the Ted Farrow guy who's like their leader and they call him CEO, which I is know, CEO. Yeah, I was, I, it's I so was reading good. That. <laughs> that's so good. I, and that's the, that's the kind of stuff I love about this game and this series is more stuff like that post, post-apocalyptic future interpreting the past, and which is our present. Uh, I think it's just so much more interesting and engaging than, you know, necessarily the politics, the different tribes of mm-hmm. that time that they are creating, right? Yeah, I just thought that the Quen was a, were a really cool addition to the game, and I wanted more of them, right? I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted it to kind of start maybe with bringing in the Quen and bringing in this Ted Farrow character and having him be more of a part of the game yeah. uh, as like an early antagonist, right? Because I, I really enjoyed how punchable that guy's face was. <laughs> That's really good. But overall, you know, I do think that the the ending of the game redeems it quite a bit. Yeah. I would not necessarily say that I would, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say it was as enjoyable as the first one. I really loved the first one. And this one definitely has its problems, but it's still, I, I do still have some excitement for the third one to see if they can not right the ship, but just kind of smooth out the edges a little mm-hmm. bit because I do think that somewhere there that I mean there there is a good game here but I think yeah. in there there's a very good game and maybe just some of the components needed to be just sl- slid into different areas and then just changed a tiny bit to make mm-hmm. it just feel more cohesive and I think that's really what what it misses is cohesion yeah more than anything else I feel like the, the the first one's pace was so well done yeah in so many ways where it was like I feel like at any given moment I was just so interested in like what is happening exactly in this world mm-hmm. and I, I agree even in the places that I was like a lot of the time I'm like I like I understand what I'm doing overall but I'm a little bit less interested in like kind of the the main thrust of the story you don't have that pull yeah whereas in the first one it was always it was always clear like I have to unravel this mystery of what's going on here exactly and I don't think that's again I don't think that's like necessarily a, a burn on this one they're trying to do different stuff mm-hmm. and it's also like, how, how would you ever do the same kind of mystery again? You know, like exactly. you've already kind of had the world explained to you of why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And so it is kind of like hard to imagine doing that again. But yeah, I, I hope that they're able to rely a little bit more on like the the mystery of what's going on. Yeah. In in the third one, or at least like make the pace such that I'm, I'm really driven to like figure out what's going on or, or just at least continue moving through the main story. Yeah. And they could definitely go very sci-fi in the third one as well. Yes. And just yeah. really change it up with how they ended this one, which mm-hmm. could be an interesting way of taking it too. So we'll see. But overall, yeah, it was it was an enjoyable game. Has its has its warts, has its problems. Mm-hmm. But I mean, raise your hand if you don't, right? <laughs> so Damn, hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Right in a message. Don't do yeah, right. This little bit. (laughs) That's how. That's how it goes. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I'm still excited for third one. But yeah, this one was an interesting experience. Yeah, cool. I have also been playing. Yeah, nobody saves the world. Nobody saves the world. This is the like top down kind of Zelda game that came out like I think two years ago. Yeah, I think it's one or two years ago. It's made by Drinkbox Studios, who also did Guacamelee. Yes, which I very much enjoyed, and their their art style definitely pops out immediately in this game i love whoever is doing their art there it's just it's Mm -hmm. so vibrant and enjoyable to look at it just is a pleasure Mm -hmm. on the eyes and i love how funny it is i love i love all the jokes and the different small asides that they have Mm -hmm. in their games also and that definitely carries over from guacamelee 2 to this one yeah Uh, definitely a very funny game and i enjoyed the combat too the gameplay is 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 pretty fun i was not expecting this type of game when i loaded it up but it's a it's a very fun kind of zelda like with an interesting mechanic of transforming into all sorts of different 
things and creatures and being able to upgrade them and unlock new powers and weapons and stuff yeah it's almost like if in like mario odyssey your transformations were like permanent like you could continue to change into the things Mm -hmm. or or i I think it's just on my mind because i played it recently but the Mm -hmm. castlevania dawn of aria or dawn of sorrow games where you kill enemies and can turn into them after that it's Mm -hmm. like i can't remember what what they all are in nobody saves the world but it's like a mouse or uh, like a horse or something like that that you can turn into and you got a rat a ranger uh right yes uh, a soldier so far an egg i think yes yeah <laughs> yes i haven't gotten the egg yet but it says egg uh, on the next one that i can unlock and i'm very curious to see how that one works <laughs> it's very cool i i feel like they they nest a bunch of like i don't know like secrets and all that stuff mm-hmm. where it's like here here are these all these weird forms and like how do you use them or like how how even the uh, the ones that are like seemingly totally useless yeah how do you what, what do you do with that yeah it's fun. Yeah. And I really like how they incentivize you to use the different forms by giving you quests, essentially being like, oh, yes. kill 250 ca- uh, enemies with this move, mm-hmm. uh, which gives you power ups and points to upgrade everything. So it really encourages you to play pretty much every form. And there, if every form has its has, has its uses, too, yeah. which is impressive. And I just I just love I really like this studio. I think it's what it comes down to. They're, they're very yeah. inventive with how they mm-hmm. come at games. Art style and the writing, I think, are exceptional. And I love how varied uh, their control schemes are in all their games. They give you a lot of different ways to play their games. Like Guacamelee Mm -hmm. 2, there's, you can switch from, from morning to night that changes the world and how you can interact with it. You can become a chicken that changes how you interact with the world, right? You have all these different moves you can upgrade Uh, and it seems deceptively small, but it's actually big. And I feel like that's kind of what this game is starting to feel like to me too. Mm -hmm. Big, overworld lots of different moves lots of different dungeons to explore um and i'm just having a blast with it so far i like this one too it's a very ding boy game in the way that it like incentivizes you to like level up a bunch of different characters also shout out to the ding boy hot pants i know that was so funny (laughs) with the sunflowers on them yeah somebody in the the discord had mocked up some some potential ding boy merch which was uh (laughs) compelling i gotta say it looks great <laughs> now the question is what's on the front of the shorts yeah that is sort of a mystery there's the mystery aura. there's a bit of a threat right like what could possibly go on the front <laughs> oh man yeah we'll let um, we'll let the the viewers decide the listeners decide on that one <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I like this game a lot too. I, I it I feel like kind of it got lost in the shuffle a little bit because if I remember correctly, that was like the first game that came out that year. Mm. I think it was 2022. It wasn't last year because I like it. It wasn't really in the like game of the year conversation, but I do think it was two years ago. But yeah, it was such an early release that I feel like it kind of it, it just got lost in the the conversation once it was time for like Goaty and like just the discussions about all that stuff. Yeah, how it goes. But um, was, was that going to be yes. like Prince of Persia this year? Yeah, 2022. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm still playing that game and I think it is really good. And so I hope it is able to like have the longevity that that it deserves. Gotcha. I've also been playing Chase. Yeah. I'm a P. I'm a P. I'm a I'm a I'm a P. I'm a P P P P. I'm a I'm a P. Lies of P. Lies of P. Okay, great. <laughs> so yeah, I, fin- I finally started to start this one up, and man, it's such a rip off of Bloodborne, dude. I can't believe. Oh I really God. hope that you, I really hope you've played it because I know how much you love Bloodborne. But you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're like you have to just know, Chase. It's it's a blatant. It's like Pal World, but but with Bloodborne. This this joke will simply never die. <laughs> I think it won't die because it still gets a rise out of you every now and then. It sure does. Yeah. I think that's what keeps it going. So sorry if anyone is getting tired of me accosting Chase with this joke, but... Uh, it's, that's that's part of the friendship, it's part, baby. It's part of the friendship. It's part of the friendship. But I, I really enjoy this game. 
Yes. Yeah. I think it's really exceptionally well made. Mm -hmm. It does not feel like a ripoff to me, but like a love letter to Mm -hmm. this style of game. Whereas like the monsters in Pal World. Yeah. Different story. Right. But I won't touch on that too much. But and I I do think and I know you've talked about, you know, do do I hear the voice of the game creator through this, the developer through this? And I mean, I'm too, too early to say, but Sure. I think the first thing that I'm hearing right now is we love FromSoft games and we want to make one that's kind of our fan-made version of it because you can see so many different ideas from different FromSoft games in this one coalescing together. Whereas FromSoft kind of keeps, you know, Dark Souls games played like Dark Souls, Bloodborne does its own thing, Sekiro did its own thing. Yeah. Whereas they were like, oh, let's just take all of our favorite parts from all those games and roll it Mm -hmm. into one and see how that works. And I think it works really damn well, honestly. Yeah. And... I always forget how just buttery smooth this game plays too. It is optimized so well. And I think that that is something that they might do better than FromSoft. Certainly Bloodborne. Yeah. Bloodborne, you cannot play yeah. over than 30 uh, frames per second. Yeah, FromSoft, I love you. But man, like when I get to play a game that feels so much like one of yours in a very smooth, like 60 frames per second, ooh, it really does yeah. just kind of take it to the next level because I'm not trying to like squint to make make out if that's like a stink boy in the corner trying to come at me or if it's just like a bush, <laughs> right? But I'm, I'm really enjoying this game because mm-hmm. I, I played it, the demo when it came out and I was very impressed with it and just never got around to downloading the full thing just because I've had so many games to play last year. And I think I'm hitting one of those moments where I'm just like, I'm ready for a, a Souls-like game. Yeah, sure. And it just it just felt so nice to get back into that, that style of gameplay that it just fits like a glove and just gets me into that state of flow like mm-hmm. no other but yeah it's 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 a joy to play it's a pleasure and I, I think you mentioned that they had changed how like the dodging and some of the like timing worked mm-hmm. between the demo and now and boy does that make it feel a lot better it really did yeah, yeah. i remember the difference being like okay no i i'm locked in pretty early yeah i was like i i had struggled pretty bad with some of the first bosses in that game yeah on the demo but this time was like first time through done yeah no problem easy peasy let's go mm-hmm. it's time to perfect block everything perfect guard everything <laughs> i should say but yeah i'm really excited to see what else this game has in store mm-hmm. with different levels and different bosses uh, i think they're, that they're obviously very creative in how they've designed this world and, and these creatures you're fighting so i'm pumped to see what they have in store yeah and it, it i will say the first couple levels are the most derivative of the rest of the game like sure or let me say that differently the the first levels are the ones that represent other games the most whereas mm-hmm. like the the latter like half or even like the latter two thirds are like this does feel like something different for sure. the most part so okay I, I really do like all that and it, if you're enjoying it now i feel like it really only gets better awesome and like it, to be clear i agree with everything you said it's a very fun game i, I really I like it i know yeah i know you enjoyed it I'm, I'm a lot less saying that to you specifically and just like out <laughs> just saying it out loud <laughs> For my own sake, because <laughs> it, it's just like it it's such a complicated feeling, <laughs> you know, like and and I suspect that the line that it moved over for me, that that line is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's not something that I don't know, like I feel like everybody can agree like. Hey, the monsters all look pretty similar in Pal World to Pokemon, right? Like, yeah, that's pretty agreed upon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's electable with not, a gun. Yes, whether or not you think that that's a bad thing is a different question. But like, we can all sort of agree that yes, that 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 is a thing. Whereas, like, I, I agree with you that some of it feels like FromSoft, and it kind of feels like the greatest hits of FromSoft. But other times, you're like, no, this is its own thing too. Like, there is mm-hmm. other stuff going on in here that is specific to this game, and so it's. 
a lot muddier of a picture for me to decipher. Yeah. Which is what makes the, 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 the take feel like it has to be nuanced to me. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Fun um, game though. Again, I beat it. I, I played the whole thing. Yeah. And I don't think it would be a hackle raising if it wasn't so good. Yeah. That's the thing. Like there can be derivative games and if they're bad, I'm like, cool, I'm not going to play it. That's fine. <laughs> but this one's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so it is really challenging to yep. kind of absorb what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive for a young game studio to put, put this out. Yeah, totally. It's a, uh, it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all I've been playing. Chase, what have you been playing? I got mostly two games just real quick. I am still playing Prince of Persia. It's still very good and very fun, but I have mm-hmm. nothing new to say about it. So cool. there. <laughs> So don't ask. So don't ask me, okay? <laughs> the other two things that I have been playing, uh, the first of them is this game called No Sun to Worship. Oh. So this is a game from the studio Merlino Games. And so far as Ooh, I can tell, it's mostly Merlino just one freeze. dude by named Antonio Freire, I think is how you'd say it. Uh-huh. Uh, I had seen this game like floating around Twitter for a little while. That, that dude is fairly on Twitter. And so I see him posting stuff about his games fairly regularly mm-hmm. and just like aesthetically as like, hey, this looks like my thing. Yeah, it is a stealth game that is seems to be pulling a lot from like Metal Gear Solid and Splinter Cell like both of those games in a lot of ways, like just visually, right? It, it, it's a sneaking game. And a lot of the time you're kind of crouched and uh, slowly moving from cover to cover. It has the uh, the little meters that Splinter Cell had where it'll show you like uh, on a, a bar how visible you are, like yeah. how cloaked in shadow or like how much noise you're making when you're running around, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. I like, I, I forget how much i loved splinter splinter cell good game specifically chaos theory i was just fucking crazy about that game i thought it was so good in a way that like i don't really know that i was fully appreciating at the time looking back and again i haven't played it in a long time but it felt like at the time that it was like almost approaching an immersive sim with the Mm. sheer amount of like things i could do sure to to get through a place it seemed like there were just a million different ways into a space and a million different ways to attack people or hide or, you know, set up some complex like Rube Goldberg machine to <laughs> kill one person, pull them down the crate that you're hiding in or something yeah. and like have try and pull somebody else into the room, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was pretty excited just to be like back in that kind of a mechanical experience because it's just not really something that a lot of people have done, right? Like mm-hmm. a stealth games are not a horribly popular thing these days. Yeah. I don't see a lot of games that are in the stealth genre Mm -hmm. and not only that, but just like taking after specifically Metal Gear Solid and uh, Splinter Cell, that that's like a cool, a cool thing for me to be like, nice. I like that. Mm -hmm. So I was interested for a while and just happened to be like, I would actually like to play this now and talk about this this week because I was a little light on games. Uh, And this one was self-described as short minimalist, if Mm. you will. Okay. It, it like in the Steam description, it is described as quote a short minimalist stealth action game about the importance of art. Whoa! That tagline got me. I was like, I'm in. Like, go ahead. Like, do whatever you want to do. And like, just high level stuff. Uh, the stealth, super fun. Really into the stealth stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was saying, it, it really harkens back to a different era of of games that I think is underrepresented, and not because it is like 
too old. You know, I, I don't think that that those kind of mechanics are just like aged out. I don't think that's the case. I just think that like we haven't really been making games like that for a while. Yeah. And so it's nice to be back in that space. Essentially, the way the game works is that you will load into a level. I think there's like six or seven levels and each of them have a certain number of like they don't label them as targets or hostages, but that's pretty much what they are. Mm -hmm. And your job is to punish them, which is to say kill them. And so you're sneaking around these like facilities and there are like a number of little crosshair targets that you can just see pretty much at all times. And they are directing you towards like, hey, here's, you know, the five targets in this level. Yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of like guards that are in your way. So you have to either, you know, sneak past them or go up and grab them and kill them to pass or, you know, draw them over to a certain area and use your little silenced pistol to shoot them and, you know, move past them that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like mostly straightforward as far as you get into a level, you kill these people and then you uh, move on to the next one. You, you find like an exit and then leave. And that's, that's the level pretty straightforward. Like all things considered, I think that when I'm thinking about Splinter Cell or Metal Gear Solid, that there is a fair amount of complexity in like what your mission is at any given point. And especially in Splinter Cell, which it seems like this game is pulling from a little bit more. The like mission changes multiple times during a level. Sometimes it's like you have to extract this person or there's some kind of constraints around like you can't kill anybody here or, mm -hmm. or you know, can't hurt any civilians or something like that. And so there's just a lot going on in that way. But here it is. It is pretty streamlined as far as what your goals are at any point. But yeah, uh, High high level, really like all that. The game also has like a lot, uh, or it is doing a lot to set like mood and tone, just like visually. The character designs are all very like intense and uh, intimidating looking. The areas that you're in are very like cold and metallic. Mm. The lighting is oftentimes like in, in a similar way to Splinter Cell, where there a lot of that game's push, and, and especially the first one was that like. Look at all the cool lighting we can do on the on the fresh new Xbox that we have. Mm -hmm. it, it is using that aesthetic a lot of times where there will be like one single source of light coming down from the top of an area that you can kind of like sneak around and move past. And it's like kind of a beautiful thing to see your character like shrouded under this grate that has like little rows of lights that are shining down onto you. And so I just think like vibe and mood wise, it, it is doing a lot in a way that like communicates a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's saying like specific story beats necessarily, you know, like when people talk about environmental storytelling in something like Gone Home or something like that, a lot of the time you are receiving information about the story yeah. via the house, right? Like, sure. You can see that this thing is placed over here, which you can infer means something else. Whereas I think the mood and the tone that this game is setting with its place is more feelings mm. rather than plot beats, which sure. is totally fine. That's cool too. Like I think it is, uh, it's very interested in that. And so I, I, I like the way that it does it. Let's see. So the game story, so surreal. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those games. <laughs> yes. All right. And in a way that I, th I, th I think is really fun to look at because it is so surreal and so strange that I think it is asking you to do a little bit of like interpretation, you know, mm -hmm. just to kind of lay out what I mean. The game opens with this. It looks like real world war footage of like World War II era things, kind of like weapons tests and like video of uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima mm. and stuff like that. And there's this voiceover of this person saying kind of vague stuff but the what i felt like was the the stronger beat of that text was quote we painted the sky ash and gray burned the heavens to starve each other now we walk an endless cemetery of regret 
Whoa. I think commenting on just like, you know, war and how, yeah. pe- how we sort of like fuck each other up just to, to do all that, mm-hmm. which is, again, very Metal Gear Solid. That is yes. an extremely Metal Gear Solid thing to do to comment on war and to specifically to use real war world war footage to do that, Absolutely. to like emphasize that point. Yeah. Which is cool. I was like, okay, hey, what's up? I see you. Mm-hmm. The, the next thing that happens is on screen, there is this text and I think based on the color of the text you are supposed to interpret this as a conversation um, but what it says is they made me in their image but I am not and then another person mm. the experiment has failed we must begin again a full restart is required and then the other person don't destroy it deliver the world to me I am fresh I am new I will remedy their faults and then the other voice says then prove your worth and that's when the game like starts, right? And mm-hmm. then the first thing that it has you do is like it shows you one of those people with the bags on their heads and, you know, just says punish. And uh, you're su- presumably supposed to kill this person. Well, I didn't initially because I was like, I wonder if I'm not supposed to like that, if that's the thing with this game. Mm-hmm. But I like ran around, found the exit and it's like, no, dude, you got to go kill everybody. Like that's the video game. Dang. So it's like, all right, well, let's I'll, I'll play along. Anyway, I, I'm going to spoil the end of this game, but spoil is kind of a strong word to use for <laughs> what happens because it is very bizarre uh-huh but after you've done about six or seven of these levels of doing pretty much that the the, the same like color of text comes back on the screen uh and it says it is done and then there is a response that says and in doing so you have destroyed meaning life is nothing without meaning we must start anew whoa whoa right whoa so i think the game is asking you to do some interpretation here chase is holding um, his head both hands to the head saying this i had to like sit and think about what's going on here which is cool i like games that do that mm-hmm. but like the text of the game is not giving you very much you really do have to kind of like lean in and look at like all right what's happening here and so like my, my read on what is going on here and this is could be wrong i'm not sure that there is a right but uh-huh you know, there's there could be holes in this theory, but I think if we're looking at this game under the guise of like montage, like literally the definition of that, of showing you an image and then showing you another image and you connecting those two between your brain, right? Like showing you an egg at like a uh, just a regular egg and then showing you a, you know, a scrambled egg or a breakfast or something. Uh-huh. Your brain connects that. I bet that first egg was used to make that breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. You didn't see it, but that's, that's how like just regular fucking movie making. Works, I ate that right? raw. <laughs> yeah. I ate that raw and there was another breakfast I ate at Denny's. That was a different <laughs> thing. You dingus. But if we were looking at that definition, then like maybe that like the someone in the beginning may like could be the character that you're playing this like green voice who says like, you know, I'm different. I'm I'm going to uh, what was the word they used? Remedy their faults, right? That could be the character you're playing, speaking to maybe their creator, maybe somebody that they're talking to. It's very unclear. There's also these hints at some point that like the main character that you're playing as is maybe a clone or something. Again, very Metal Gear Solid. Because and the only information you get about that is that you see your character model like in a production line somewhere. Mm-hmm. So like, there's more of you, I guess, but. Who knows? Yeah, right? Like it, it's not it's not explaining anything to you. But regardless, you're shown that information. They seem to be kind of optimistic about their influence that they're going to have on the world. And then mm-hmm. right after that, you do all these levels where you do kind of a lot of violence to people. <laughs> kind of. And then <laughs> at the end, it says you've destroyed meaning. And so like I, I think it is asking you to sit in the the seat of someone who is maybe naive about 
or or idealistic about how much influence they're going to have on the world, they end up kind of repeating the same cycles that have got them there. And then, you know, at the end of it all, what do you have to show for it? Right. Like you have just continued this cycle. Mm-hmm. If I'm interpreting the the role of these people that you're, you know, murking in this game, there are a lot of other combatants that you can fight with, but a lot the 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 mission of the game is to kill these seemingly defenseless people. Yeah. And so, you know, you can extrapolate some meaning there about like, you know, civilians getting caught in between the crosshairs of like stronger people. And especially with the imagery of like Nagasaki and uh, Hiroshima in the beginning, it's like I I can see how they're setting up that comparison. And so that Mm. I'm kind of getting that. But again, Uh like you have to interpret it that none of that is in the kind of like specific text. This is only showing you are you are being told almost nothing in this game. Do you think that's kind of the point? Yes. What no, meaning do you put into this on your own? F- for sure. Right. Yeah. And so like for, for, for those reasons, I think it is, is a very cool game. I enjoyed playing through it. It is very heady though. Mm. It is asking you to do a lot of the work of storytelling, which is cool. I like that, but I could totally see how that would maybe not be the thing that a lot of people would yeah. like love about this game. And I've seen reviews on Steam and stuff and people are like, I'll fucking get it. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like, that is sort of the point, right? With with surrealist art and stuff like that, a lot of it, a lot of the point is that it's not asking you to get it. It's asking you to to like reflect on how you felt about this thing. Yeah. And so, you know, your anger at the postmodern art, not quote unquote, meaning anything. That is the point. That is the thing that you're supposed to be feeling. And so like, why that, that is the, that is the thing it is trying to get you to do. Why do I feel this way? Yeah. Why do I feel like there is, there needs to be meaning in images or like something that it has to have like a deeper meaning. And so it's possible that I am reading too much into it or not, right? Like it's mostly, I think it is mostly just like a tone and mood piece that is asking you to kind of sit with it. But yeah, I I think I like all of that. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a cool idea and one that I think games are sometimes really reticent to do, you know, like is to really engage with like just full blown surrealist wild nonsense, right? Yeah. Which is, I think why I like things like Alan Wake 2 and Metal Gear Solid and all that sort of stuff because it is just so weird and wacky and seems to be able to uh, ride that line between there are things going on that you can understand and then there's also just batshit wild stuff happening in the background as well or in the foreground sometimes Mm -hmm. that is fun and playful and sometimes doesn't want you to know like, oh, this is what that meant completely. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I am happy to see games like this come out I think that there is a lot of things I could point to to say, like, I feel like this could have been done a little bit better. Or, you know, if if there is so much room for interpretability, like that there are spots where it it could have been changed a little bit. But I I do think that the home of surrealism for games Mm -hmm. almost necessitates them being indie games like this. Sure. Because it is so hard to do that with a big budget, you know? Yeah. That it, it is much... I wouldn't say easier, but more feasible to do like f- wild surrealist art pieces, a smaller budget, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think your audience for it is is necessarily going to be smaller, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of people who look at the fucking Duchamp's fountain and uh, are like, that's fucking stupid. Why would you do that? And like, maybe it is stupid. Feel it, man. Think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like experience this thing. Yeah. Isn't it dumb? What do you think? Yeah. Why? Why? What? What in you? thinks that it's dumb you know what adherence to regular images and thought makes you feel that way and are you okay with that right yeah so uh i think it is just harder to to do big budget stuff like that because it is hard to get buy-in 
it's I, I think that just the the market for things that don't have a specific meaning or a specific ending mm-hmm. it's small right like people's minds were blown at the end of the last of us two when or the the end of last of us one mm-hmm. when joel seemingly lied to ellie and ellie maybe knew that he lied right yep that like there was some interpretability there and the whole gaming industry was like dude this is fucking art and let me say that is art that is also cool and i also like that a lot mm-hmm. but it, it, it in a otherwise very straightforward and interpretable game that has meaning very front and center yeah in a way that i like mm-hmm. it, it is hard to get people to be like yeah but like this one is so out there and wild and uh you got to be down for that too and so i i think at least personally i always get worried that like are we just not going to have weird, wacky, surrealist shit in games other mm. than the one game that Hideo Kojima makes every eight years or something <laughs> like that? And I was happy about Alan Wake 2 for that reason. And I'm also happy about this game because it seems like it's engaging with that in a similar way. Even if everything doesn't hit the mark or there are parts of it that I think could be improved or anything like that. Like, I, I think it's a, a cool video game and mm-hmm. one that I was like happy to experience, even if I was even if I was like, what the fuck just happened mm-hmm. <laughs> after I after I got done playing it so what you're saying is game developers let your freak flag fly let it fly let man it fly. i want to see all the weird shit you make some weird stuff we like I, it I, I, the the fucked up thing is is that like there is a market for this because so many people like kingdom hearts right <laughs> kingdom hearts is an uninterpretable wild bananas tone piece like there's yeah i i think like we've said in in our episode about the first one and like we will say i'm sure in other episodes about the other games like the thing that draws me to that game is when i feel about it rather mm-hmm. than when i know every member of organization 13 and and i, I think know how that i feel about them all i do yes <laughs> if you show me their face i can tell you which one is the most kissable which is a thing we have done it's a thing we've done on in this the podcast. past but yeah it's it it is also a very tone and mood heavy game and people seem to like that so yeah Make Kingdom Hearts, make more Kingdom Hearts is the end of this segment. <laughs> it's that what it came back to. Yeah. I want more Kingdom Hearts. They're, they're doing it. They're literally doing it as we they speak. They are. I'm so interested if they can capture it again. And I'm especially interested to get to Kingdom Hearts 3 uh, when we eventually do that. 3 is an interesting one, man. I'm, I'm curious yeah. to see your, your take on it. Yeah, because you'd beat it. And if I remember correctly, your experience was there is a great game buried in an okay game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's different than Horizon in that Horizon is a great game and an okay game kind of mixed together. Yeah. Whereas Kingdom Hearts three was a very good game that just was buried way underneath kind of a not so good game yes yeah yeah and so i'm I'm interested to see what they do with four because i wonder if they ha- still have that if they've still captured like the kind of listless weird shit that happens in that series because mm-hmm. it felt like at least in the stuff that i played of three that that wasn't always there right yeah when i think about the the strength of that series and especially the strength of two like god it's do they just fucking nailed it with that part yeah. the like two or three hours that you spend playing is roxas oh Ooh, yeah chef's kiss you could bottle that and put it like put it into mason jar and i would drink it and mm-hmm. be like oh my god you have captured what it feels like to be at the last week of summer twilight town in my, a jar oh my god please mm-hmm. it's it was it was so so good and i don't really remember them feeling that so much in in kingdom hearts 3 i feel like they 
got really invested in Organization 13 and explaining like, but what's going on with Aqua? And like, listen, I love Aqua. She's mm-hmm. cool. But make me feel, you know? They spent too much time making me watch Let It Go. Sora, Donald, and Goofy interposed in every now and then. <laughs> that's really what got me. Yeah, that's fair. Disney executive was like, we need more Disney. Guys, Frozen is not getting enough views. Not enough people know about Frozen. <laughs> Please put Goofy in it so we can get more views. It's for like Frozen. of all the of all the movies that they're doing in this game, Frozen. Why does Frozen need to have the big marketing piece in it? <laughs> Yeah, you got any stinkers you can pull out of the back catalog that like maybe deserve a second chance? Yeah, give me you your know? weirdest movie, Disney. Put it in there. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, uh, that game is no sun to worship if you want to check it out. I, I think it's very good. The other game that I probably have considerably less to say about and is just a complete tonal shift mm. is that I've uh, been playing through the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. <laughs> nice. Cool. Uh, yeah. This is the Ace Attorney game that came out in like 2021, I think. Uh-huh. And it is not the collection of the first three games. It is this other kind of alternate history version where you are playing as like, I think a predecessor to like Phoenix, right? Like feudal Japan or something. Yeah. It's like Japan, like right after they like kind of opened their borders a little bit and became a little bit less isolationist. Mm -hmm. It's that era. And uh, I feel like I had talked about this a little bit right when it came out. And I had played not very much of it because I popped it open the other day and I was like, God, I'm still like on the first trial in this game, mm-hmm. which is not far into it at all. But uh, I was I, I'm just in need of a bedtime game right mm-hmm. now. Sure. Uh, and, oh, my God. Ace Attorney is a very good bedtime game. <laughs> it's I, I feel like Octopath Traveler 2 kind of rewired my brain to be OK with auto advancing dialogue. Mm, mm-hmm. And this game also has auto advancing dialogue and you can set the delay between when it will advance to the next thing. And I set it to very like low and I'm like, oh, this is great. This is like if I was pressing it, but I can just hold the game and look at it and read. Mm hmm. Uh, So it's kind of looking like I'm just reading before bed, which is phenomenal for me. But I'm also getting a video game in there, too. Beautiful. Don't let me go to bed before I've had my gaming, Dad. (laughs) I need my gaming and my Ovaltine. Reading a book? That's way out, dude. That's so 2000 (laughs) late. Okay, Boomer. (laughs) Okay, Boomer. I want to read a video game. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So... Yeah, this uh, for anybody who hasn't maybe played an Ace Attorney game. Historically, this is a series that is it's definitely a visual novel. I think that that is the closest genre you will find to what is going on here. Yeah, it was one of the first visual novels that I was like, hey, I like this. This Mm -hmm. is cool because I do think it asks a little bit more of you than a lot of other visual novels do. It essentially the way the game works is typically you will be involved or witness or be or hear of some crime that happens somewhere and you as phoenix wright in the first few apollo justice in the other one or ryunosuke is the main character here Uh you will be uh tasked with defending typically someone uh from a crime that it seems like maybe they did or did not commit and typically the ace attorney games are split up into like investigation phase where you go around and just like collect evidence and inspect stuff and it's kind of you're just like wandering around these spaces and talking to people and then a courtroom phase where you go in and you will receive like testimony from people mm-hmm. and uh you typically cross examine people yeah you cross examine people and a lot of the game is just picking out inconsistencies between the testimony that people have said. Mm -hmm. So you have to be like, you know, this person said something just now that 
isn't true and here is the like specific evidence that contradicts what they said right it is honestly a lot less about knowing the specific truth of what happened and more an exercise in just like picking out what is wrong with a thing that was just said Um, because a lot of the time in these games the game is hiding from you what exactly happened behind all of these weird bizarre testimonies and so a lot of uh, like i said a lot of the game is just you picking picking out little uh, bits of text and being like oh hey i know why this isn't right this one the greatest attorney chronicles it switches this up a little bit in that there are some parts of it that are this like courtroom kind of drama game and there are other parts where it is a lot less formalized you're not necessarily in a courtroom the like second chapter a very explicit example of that where like you're kind of just wandering around and figuring things out and and the most mechanical heavy parts of the game are where you're interacting with Herlock Sholmes, one of the best video game characters of all time. Herlock Sholmes? Yes. Uh, That's great. I think they didn't get the rights to Sherlock, and so they named him Herlock, who is an amazing character. The The mechanical parts of that part of the game is that Herlock essentially will make some deductions about something that have, that's happened, and they're very clearly off a little bit. Mm. Like, he's very close to the truth. But not quite. He's like 90% of the way there. Yeah. And your job is to pick out like, what are the few things that are not right? here and then correct them um and it's done in this like very hilarious like theatrical way where there is like a spotlight being like moved around on the different characters and both you and herlock are like snapping to move it and move it to other people and stuff like that it's just it's all very fun cartoonish in a lot of ways and so like that that is a departure i think from the the regular games but like ooh, love it absolutely amazing i'm loving this game it is it is a perfect before bedtime game because the stakes are high but nobody's really taking them that seriously a lot of the time like your your main compatriots in the in the second chapter are always like essentially you are the person the suspect in the beginning of like killing the 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 person who gets murdered in the second chapter and like a lot of people are like yeah, but you're the murderer, right? Like you killed, you killed him <laughs> and you're like, no, I didn't. And then they're like, uh, yeah, but like this little piece of evidence kind of looks like you did, but we should go like investigate and check it out and then talk through it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's all just very tongue in cheek and hilarious. I think in talking with you on this pod for a while, I've come to realize yeah. like how hard it is to do humor in a video game. Oh yeah. And I think that these ones do it so well where they're able to like do these like flash cuts to characters in different positions or making different like emotions with their Mm -hmm. face Mm -hmm. or cut someone off very quickly when they're saying something or they make these like punch sounds whenever something like really ridiculous happens, (laughs) which goes a long way to make it really funny. I think it is again, an exercise in like timing and timing is important. Yes. Yeah. And they, they just nail it in this game and the other Ace Attorney games. So like, I'm not surprised that they've got it again here, but like, man, it's really, really, really great. Uh, it's also like, I, I think I had mentioned this the, the first time I talked about it, but bears repeating that like the, it is so faithful to the original kind of animation style that mm-hmm. the, the 2d games on the DS had mm-hmm. where like the characters look like if they're, if they're not moving, they look like, yeah, that looks like the characters that I remember and recognize, or at least like the style of it from those games, yeah. but they've sort of like animated everything in between those states. And so it's just, it looks so smooth and well done in a way that I was not expecting it to mm-hmm. in a way that is also like very faithful to the art style of those original ones. Despite the fact, like I would have a hard time describing to you really what that art style is other than kind of like, I don't know, anime, I guess, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it really has like a, a style and a, a, it does. A, a way that it shows its characters. And so it's, it's cool to see them maintaining that. I, I think one of the stranger things that I was not expecting this game to have is that it does, it is talking a lot about 
race relations and specifically surrounding Japanese people, like kind of coming out of this isolationist period. Sure. And it's not like, that's not like what the game is, you know, it's not the whole thing, but it is there in a way that I kind of wasn't expecting it to be. And it's, it, it is not done for like cheap humor. A lot of the time, it seems like they are trying to depict like that the world was kind of reticent about like this new people that are kind of like out in the world now, you know, Uh of course that was, you know, Japanese people have always been around. And so it's not like they, you know, totally were (laughs) yes some (laughs) isolated group of people, but like in a major significant way in the way that that happened in actual history, right. Where like the borders are a little bit more open and folks are like traveling around and going to new places. I don't know really what they're saying about it yet, but it is interesting that it's there in a way that like in the, in the regular Ace Attorney games is, is just simply not present. Right. Like Mm -hmm. really none of that is there. And I don't think that that's like a bad thing. The game doesn't have to tackle any of that. And like it's it's a pretty happy go lucky game, the base one. So like why? Why would you? you Yeah. But it is interesting. I'm I'm interested to see kind of like what they do with that story, if anything. Mm -hmm. But it does feel like I'm I'm interested in the way that this will resolve or or what they will say about all of this. What's the what's the point they're trying to make there? Yeah. Why why are you invoking this? Because it 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 doesn't feel like it's mishandled a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And especially again, like this is a Japanese game development company. So it's like there's firsthand experience here, right? Like these people aren't like some American company being like, I bet I know what it was like when Japan opened its borders. Like, no, like it's a group of people who are Japanese doing this. So it's like, okay, like what, what story is here? What is the story to tell? And I'm interested in that. I, I, I want to read what it says. And like I said, I'm not sure yet. I don't know what it is. I hope it's something good. And I hope it's not just in there for fluff. I, I don't think it will be, but you know, could be i guess i haven't beaten it yeah but uh yeah f- super fun game i'm really really loving it just a perfect january game man mm-hmm. i'm all about it i've got i've got time cozy right game now. cozy game i can just put an hour into this a day and be like yeah that's great nice that's fun for me love it games are fun i love those attorney games I'm still playing. Really I'm still good. playing the the original three off and on. It's just good to get in there. Yeah, there's so much game in there. There is. It's it. It takes a really long time, especially if you're not just like mainlining these games. And mm-hmm. I I think that that's kind of not the best way to do this, unless you're like a really avid and focused person, like an avid reader. Mm-hmm. You know, like at least for me personally, I would have a hard time paying attention to this game for like five hours in a row. Yeah. I feel like I would start to kind of lose the details a little bit. Yeah. And when it comes time to like be in the courtroom and be like, I, I have no idea, man. Mm-hmm. It, they're fun games. There's also a uh, a collection of Apollo Justice games that are coming out pretty soon, which I'm interested to see. I to just saw out. that there's an anime for Ace Attorney as well. Did you know that? Ooh, no, I did not. It's on Crunchyroll, apparently. Thank you, Crunchyroll. Thank you. Thank you. Doing, doing the Lord's work. Crunchy bless. It might be, might, be, might be bad. I don't know. <laughs> It could be very possible. That'll all bring me to my optimistic thing of the week, David, which is NPCs talking to themselves for no good reason. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just muttering to themselves in the corner. Just saying the mechanics of the game out loud is very funny to me whenever that happens. (laughs) Um, Press the start button to pull up your menu. (laughs) My my favorite ones as of late are uh, I'm still playing Skyrim. That's just still a thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. I love all the must have been the wind whenever like a person (laughs) dies next to someone else. And they're like, I don't know. I'm done investigating. I'm over it. (laughs) Oh, it's always so good. Here's my here's a dead body. I don't know, dude. (laughs) The same thing happens in No Sun to Worship where they're like, 
talking and somebody would be like, oh, what's that? Or uh, I've got an enemy down or something like that. Start start investigating. Yeah. Like They're just yelling at you what's about to happen. Obviously, Metal Gear Solid does that too. Whenever you knock on a door or a wall or something, the, what's that? And someone will come walking mm-hmm. around. Just very funny. There's like a, a weirdly a resurgence of Oblivion clips going around the internet right, right now. Mm. Or maybe the algorithm just knows you're playing Oblivion and wants to watch it. Or no, you're playing <laughs> Skyrim, so... I'm playing Skyrim, but I'm always kind of playing Oblivion in my heart. <laughs> it's always present. Must have been the wind. You took that too well. <laughs> it's such a bizarre accent. The 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 Skyrim accent, the uh-huh. like Nord accent that they do. And it's all again, it's like any other Bethesda game. There's like two guys who do it. Um, <laughs> and so you can kind of do most of their voices. It feels like they got two guys from the cafeteria, but like, can you do a Nord accent? And like 10,000 lines of dialogue, <laughs> <Exactly>. please. <laughs> so good. Do you have something fueling your sense of optimism this week, David? I do. What is it? Flying. This is the thing where you fly up in the in the sky yes this is the thing this is the thing where you were in the sky with wings uh mm-hmm. in forbidden west or as in forbidden west one of the uh, other great yeah. things you could do at the end of the game is that you can hijack and ride dinosaur robot dinos that fly the sun strider yes. in particular Ooh, yep. so good very so good yeah good also, I wanted to do that way earlier in the game. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was in some of the marketing if you looked close enough. Uh-huh. And I, I like even when I was playing, I was like, come on, dude, when are we going to get to flying? It's pretty much the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I could have gotten it earlier. I didn't I didn't look. I was so, too confused by all the mechanics. Yeah. But they, the first they really time make they like, make you do it is there at the end of the game. Um, but mm-hmm. it is it's quite nice. Uh, and then yeah. I just I just explored the whole map. After that, I took like an hour Ooh. just like flying yeah. around. That's great. It is a beautiful, it is a beautiful map. It really is yeah. something special. Yeah. So yeah, flying. Love always, love, love flying in a game, any game. It's very good. We just talked about how like neat it was to fly in Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah. It is still like, fun. Whoa. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All these years later. It is, it is very cool. I was also thinking about like when I was editing that episode, how amazing it was the first time you figured out how to fly in like a Grand Theft Auto game, mm-hmm. specifically GTA three, where there was like mm. one plane. Yep. That was really hard to get to. Yep. You're like, I can fly. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Cause like traversal takes a while in that game. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's really like wild. If I remember correctly, it also is quite hard to fly in that one, specifically GTA three, yeah. like the, the plane, I think it's yeah. called a Dodo because mm-hmm. it's like not really meant to fly very well. Yeah. And so you have to kind of like go up as much as you can and then hover and kind of drift for a while. It really felt like you were someone hijacking a plane who had no business it, yes. flying a plane. <laughs> yeah. The game was maybe saying to you like, why are you doing this? You shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. This is a bad idea. It was very fun. Very good. Mm-hmm. I agree. Flying cool always cool always good i keep meaning to play gravity rush i've heard that game is good i have no I idea what it is but I've i know only that there's heard kind things. of flying in it gravity flying bit. gravity flying gravity rushing there's a lot of people whose games opinions i trust a lot who i'm like like 90 percent of their games that they think are great are the same ones that i think are great and almost all of them are like, yeah, Gravity Rush fucks. I'm like, oh, man, I think I, I, think I got to play that. Let's do it. Anyway, David, do you want to move on to our main thing? Let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome to Good Games. It's a segment where we talk about the okayest games of yesteryear <laughs> and gush all the things that we love about them. And discuss cottage cheese. God, dude. It's so tough. I don't like to look at it. David and I were just talking about cottage cheese. That's the context there. Got a uh, listener suggested game. 
Uh, this one comes from Brady. Thank you, Brady. Thanks, Brady. He'd suggested that we play Yu-Gi-Oh! and the False Bound Kingdom, a game that I had never heard of. Same. Never heard about this game once. Yeah. I think I, I probably neither. saw there was another Yu-Gi-Oh! game and I was like, okay. File it ar- away in the rest of my brain <laughs> exactly. with the rest of the Yu-Gi-Oh! games. Uh-huh. Let's let's level set real quick. Yeah. I'm not a Yu-Gi-Oh! guy. Did you ever watch the show? No, literally never. I have really? no idea what the show was about, David. I watched the show. The show was, I, I think I watched the first season or something. I remember you having like sort of a passing enjoyment of it, but it wasn't like, you didn't like have the battle gear or anything like that or the cards or anything. Uh, don't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> let's, not get, let's not get ahead of ourselves now unearthing some david lore i like this definitely had some cards yeah very clearly remember that one year for christmas in high school jahan got me one of the Yu-Gi-Oh like oh forearm God. deck battling kits or whatever they are <laughs> i don't even know what you call them yeah, yeah. uh the hollow decks or something like that something like that it had it was pretty it was pretty cool actually you could actually put it on your arm <laughs> and you press a button and it would like swing out in front of you where you could put your cards yeah. maybe i do remember this because i feel like i remember that being weaponized almost immediately oh absolutely it was never used for Yu-Gi-Oh. it was used for <laughs> tomfoolery punching and stuff yeah i know genuinely nothing other than like there are cards in this game and that blue eyes white dragon is is a thing blue eyes white dragon yeah you got it <laughs> i didn't know you I knew did. so little about Yu-Gi-Oh. I, I, I don't know why like you were just off being a real chat at the time you're too cool I for you so. I, <laughs> I was not somebody who would turn their nose up at nerdy shit so it is very, this is not i was watching like <laughs> digimon and dragon ball z i don't know what <laughs> what historical revisionism we're working on right here chase is very insulted when did when was Yu-Gi-Oh airing in the united states Ooh, i want to say uh, it got big when we were maybe in middle school late middle school really? early high school original air date or sorry american air date is uh september 29th 2001 whoa so no elementary school yeah elementary that i feel like that's what it felt like to that me that makes more if sense I remember correctly um so like fifth or sixth grade mm-hmm. you know maybe I, this is my tic-tac era so if we if we're gonna call that a chad era i guess we can <laughs> this was when chase got his first girlfriend era that is also true mm. spent a lot of time on the phone sure did chatting you were a big you know? phone phone boy i love to be on the phone i don't know what that was about because i was like an extremely introverted kid and so like on the phone you could be anyone on the phone i can be <laughs> i can even be a new person on the phone <laughs> so i'm gonna be solid snake <laughs> I could be anyone. I'm going to be Solid Snake. I'm going to be David Hayter. But uh, yeah, I, uh, for whatever reason, just didn't catch it. I think I, honestly, it was, a that was peak Dragon Ball Z time for me. And so like, I think I was just so focused on DBZ. Yeah. I had no, no, no other room for more anime. That's real. So my, my context coming into this game is I know nothing. And so if there are things that are like, Hey, that's different than the show. I, it's not going to, not going to crack that one. <laughs> Sure, I don't know, sure, sure. but hey, why don't I hit you with some hot stats so we can we can uh, talk about this video? Let's hear it. Cool. Hot stats. Hot stats. Yu-Gi-Oh! and the False Bound Kingdom came out in, the, in uh, North America, November 4th of 2003 for GameCube. It was, I think, the year prior in Japan and then the year after in Europe. So mm-hmm. kind of a delayed release schedule there. Gosh, yeah. This was made by Konami, who makes Pachinko machines. video games. <laughs> A lot of video games, uh, they make pachinko machines now. But back back in the day, you'll know them from Frogger or Contra or Tokimeki Memorial mm. or Castlevania or Metal Gear. Mm. They make video games. Quite a, they make a lot of video games. Yes. Um, I, I tried to look up like who worked on these games specifically because Konami is like such a big company yeah. that I was trying to be like, what, what else have y'all worked on? 
Um, a lot of them just worked on other Yu-Gi-Oh games. So nice. It's the Yugi crew. Yeah, the Yugi crew. I, I I do have a review from our friends over at Jeu Video of Yu-Gi-Oh and the False Bound Kingdom, which uh, was originally in French. I trans or Google translated it from one language into another through through a bunch of them. I did a, bu- <laughs> a bunch of languages. A bunch of languages. <laughs> when, when I forget the script of what I'm saying, it totally derails me, and I'm just like, I don't know. I did it a lot. <laughs> You're like so professional, NPR asking nothing. I did a, bu- a bunch. A bunch. I put it through a bunchy. <laughs> um, I did the bunchy scrunchy, and then it came out. <laughs> and they came out all good and crunchy. <laughs> the bunchy scrunchy to make it crunchy. Got it. <laughs> I mangled the review through Google Translate, which I'll read for you now. This is Yu-Gi-Oh! Part 1 for the GameCube. This game is not only has slow card combat to begin with, but it's a rival RPG. That's to give a zero. I wouldn't pay anything for it. This starts off weak. The combat not good and the graphics desired. Konami, you are a true Yu-Gi-Oh! Published by GameCube. Uh, and that they gave that one a three out of ten. They did wow. not like this video game. Why did it sound like that review was was written by Tim Robinson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of that in there, huh? <laughs> I wouldn't pay anything for it. <laughs> exactly. It's just the tonal shifts were very abrupt. <laughs> yeah, just, especially published by GameCube. Like, why? Why is this in here? Uh, gotta know who the publisher also, is. It's not published by GameCube. I mean, it's a, it's an easy mistake to make. Yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. Published for, for the GameCube. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? David, could you tell me what this game is? Yes, this game. What's what's the name of the game again? <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh and the False Bound Kingdom. False Bound Kingdom. Okay, Yu-Gi-Oh and the False Bound Kingdom is a tactics style Yu-Gi-Oh game. So you yeah. are Yu-Gi and the Yu-Gi crew joey taya and the other guy um, (laughs) and you are invited to a video game company uh that is creating like a virtual reality version of dual monsters the game that has taken the world by storm and is what the the trading card game that Yu-Gi-Oh is based off of with all the car with all the monsters on Mm. it right sure i don't know something goes weird and wacky and wild when you try to use the new virtual reality gear and you get sucked into the world that this game company has created that is essentially making all of the creatures from the card game into like real creatures in this world that they have made with this Mm -hmm. very kind of intense political drama around it like romance of the three kingdoms-esque sort of deal where you're getting you're where you're essentially you are yuki and you are like the leader of the resistance uh against this evil empire and you have to use the dual monsters which are now real monsters in this virtual world uh to wage war against the empire so the way that it works is that you go into an area and you have your little base of operations and there's usually like a couple towns and then another enemy base you have to take over so Mm -hmm. you have different what they call them marshals field marshals i think so yeah uh, that have the power to control monsters in this world and then you can create you can make teams of three that are controlled by any one marshal. So Yugi is a marshal. So he has a team of three monsters. Uh, and then there is one monster on that team that is your uh, captain for the team. Right. right? Yeah. They're in the middle and they could determine special things about the team. Uh, but really what, what happens is you you send, you send select a, a team and you send them to other places on the map to attack and take mm-hmm. control of. And then you go into like a Pokemon-esque turn-based 3D, 3D, 3D battling, turn-based battling system uh, where yeah. You get to ch- trade attacks between your group of monsters and the enemy group of monsters. It's as if Pokemon had a 3v3 version of a of a fight. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's like Pokemon and Final Fantasy kind of mixed
lives together except less, a little less bit, options yeah. of things to do yeah you really only have like attack or use an item or do like a special move yeah yeah it's so funny in the beginning of the game where you're the first marshal that's talking to yugi is like dude you are so much stronger than us like we really need to reiterate how much we fucking <laughs> suck yeah you are and the we greatest are not going to be useful <laughs> and you don't remember that you're the greatest so that's bad for us <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah it, it's essentially you will go into that battle mode and then each of your characters has a set amount of times that they can take an action yeah. and so eventually like if you run out of those the battle will like stop did they explain that or did that just happen no i was very confused not. i was like okay the stars are gone so now <laughs> the this turn is over there is a lot in this game that they simply don't tell you yeah yeah you just gotta figure it out yeah and like that's tough <laughs> initially because it does it really does it, it seems like they're saying a lot like i was trying to like get through the tutorial of like what is my marshal telling me to do and it's a lot of like meta discussions of like you have to take the town yeah i'm like okay but like they don't really tell you necessarily how to do exactly. that exactly sounds great but how yes <laughs> I have to imagine that this is one of the games that has a extensive manual that it came with that I was just simply missing in the GameCube case. Yes, I could be wrong. I don't know. But regardless, the game explains very little to you. But I think once you get it, it does make a little bit more sense with these games. My tactic is usually just like, all right, I'm just going to get in there and fuck it up. And like, yeah see what i can do i'll learn by doing yes I, I think the game will show me when it's like telling me not to do something yeah you know yeah yeah which is what happened i think the only other thing that that comes to mind is just that like that's the campaign is just you're taking over different parts of the map yeah yeah you're taking over different parts of the map you start off on an island to the north mm -hmm. of the main continent and then you're just slowly amassing territory we were talking before this and you you had said that this one was a little bit less of an enjoyable experience for you yeah i was very intrigued to see that it was this type of game mm -hmm. and i was excited about the type of game it was because i have good experience with these types of games in the past mm. um but i thought this one was just kind of slow for me it was definitely slow that is a thing that i will like totally fully agree with you on that one yeah it was slow I found myself confused very often because yeah. it doesn't tell you like some crucial things here and there. Yeah. You just got to have to learn it, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that really gets me is that I'm I'm telling my my teams to attack an area and I'm like, okay, I don't know. Nothing nothing happened. <laughs> nothing I can see happened. And then I look at the yes. screen, there's like a little ant walking across the field. And I'm like, oh, that's my team. And they're just walking very slowly <laughs> to this area, which I think does add a little bit of, I think, character to the game. Character to the game and yeah. they're like, oh, this is a vast distance that I am traversing here. It's going to take mm -hmm. a second. But I don't think it adds anything to the gameplay, or at least not the <laughs> yeah. part that I played. So like maybe in other areas, if it's a more complex battle going on, like you can maybe have to like stagger how you send out units which i could see mm -hmm. actually being kind of interesting yeah. like okay send three units here first then like four that way and then another couple this way to do that and i could i, I could see how there would be some interesting decisions in regards to that style of gameplay like when it's more if, if, if it ever gets more fleshed out mm -hmm. uh, then the tutorial level is just like okay i'm waiting and here it we does go. take a while yeah totally but i did like that they actually visualized the sprite on the map and then you could zoom in and mm -hmm. like see it walking around i always love seeing yes the the creatures doing things besides fighting me too yeah i liked this game a lot I, this game was really yeah you're saying you loved this game <laughs> it, that is really cool i think partially because i haven't played a game like this before mm outside of like really intense military simulators you know sure like i liked the 
Total War Shogun games. And like Total War is a very old series. Like there, there have been a lot of them. And Shogun was the first one that I played that I was like, okay, I'm in. This is really fun. Um, but that game is really intense about like you, you do kind of have to know like what tactics you're going to use on the battlefield, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas this one simplifies that part of the game. It's kind of just a JRPG battle. I've, I've done that before. I know what I'm doing here. And so like I liked that approach. And I, I agree with you that the first level of that tutorial is a little bit slow and like, I mean, literally slow it takes yeah. a while i was playing on an emulator that i could speed it up a lot which i think really helped there you go but i i think that the game got a lot more interesting once you are having to make decisions about like trying to anticipate where enemies are going to attack mm. and like what strongholds they might attack because having to like split your units out to go to different places and like either hold uh, certain forts or realize that like i don't have the strength to repel these people and then like taking one of your forces and moving it back to a like previous fort that you have control over like that stuff is fun in this game and in like the total war games like it's still hitting on the same kind of experience there i think you're right to compare it to the like romance of the three kingdoms it was also done in this game called ogre battle 64 which is in our suggestion box right now mm-hmm. you may be seeing more of that pretty soon but uh, at which like, have you, have you played any of those ogre tactics games? I have not. Do you know what I'm no. talking about? They were like kind of popular, but th- there, there are two entries in those series. One of them I think was for the SNES and this one's for the N64. And it's like largely a very similar game where you are looking at like a big map and whenever you fight, it goes into like a, a three on three fighting game. Sure. The other ones are like very much Final Fantasy Tactics style games, Yeah. which is uh, there was like a remake that came out of, I think it's Ogre Tactics Let Us Cling Together um, was the remake. It was like Ogre Tactics Reborn or something that came out for the Switch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was very similar to to the Ogre Battle 64, um, which I was surprised to see. So anyway, point being like, I I really like the approach here. I think it's novel and interesting. I like those 4X games, as they call them, the like explore, expand, exploit, exterminate, very intense kind of games. But explore, exploit, expand, exterminate. Yes. Explore, expand, exploit, exterminate. Exploit is kind of a bummer, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I want it to be like part of the game. No, No. You know? I, I, I'm assuming they're saying like exploit the resources yeah. of a place, but like there's no, there's usually no good exploitation. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't but, have a good denotation. No, absolutely not. But typically those kinds of games, or at least in my experience, they're hugely complicated video games, like really, really dense mechanical experiences that like once you get it, it's really cool. Right. Yeah. I, I think about something like Stellaris, which is like, I've heard the people who really like Stellaris are nuts about it, but there are also like multiple hour long tutorials on YouTube about how to play the game. Right. Mm-hmm. I think even something like civilization is like the more toned down version of these kind of games. And even that is still very complicated. Absolutely. As far as gameplay goes, like you need to read up and be like, I don't really know what this is or have uh, Leonard Nimoy explain it to you in Civ five, four. I don't know which one that was. <laughs> right. But regardless, I really appreciate that they're trying to like simplify it here. I see that because I don't think the complexity of those games is necessarily the thing that makes them good. It is something that I think you can enjoy if you like complex games, but I think the tactics part of it is really fun. Again, when I was like deciding what units to send where and like having to balance like, okay, well, these guys have more experience, but I gave this group like a healing potion. So they may be able to like 
hold out a little longer. Mm-hmm. That stuff is good. I like that. E- even if like when you actually go to battle, it's just pressing A to attack somebody. Yeah. I think that that's all really good. And like reminds me of what something like Dragon Quest Builders does mm-hmm. for Minecraft. Minecraft is already a pretty like straightforward game. And so it's not exactly one to one here, but just taking something that is can be a little bit more complicated and making it approachable. Yeah. Maybe a better example is just the base Dragon Quest games that are trying to be like, here is a very simplified version of like, what what are the most necessary parts of a JRPG? Mm. And how do we make that something that people who have never played a video game before can play? And like... <laughs> I would not say that if you've never played a video game before that you'd be able to intuit what to do in the false bound kingdom, yeah. but it is closer than, you know, Stellaris or sure. uh, just Total War end. Warhammer or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I see that. And so I think that that's really cool. I, I, I wish that there were a lot more of these games mm-hmm. because like, I don't always have time to sink in five hours into, you know, masters of Orion or something like that mm-hmm. to be like, how do I play this game and how do I play it well? Yeah. And not just blow five hours because I didn't really know what to do. Yeah. I would like a, a better entry point where it is a little bit simpler to to play. And this game, and it seems like the, the ogre games do that as well. Sure. I mean, I do like the conceit of the game where, you know, really the the planning is where the, the game, the meat of the game is. It's not really yeah. the actual battles, mm-hmm. right? It's setting yourself up for success. And I do appreciate that in in the gameplay mechanics of it all. And I could, it could be, you know, if they, if they made a more modern take on this game, I'd be interested to see what that would look like and how that would play. Um, yeah. If they... You know, maybe I maybe I go back and try this and do the same thing. I'm just emulate the speed a little bit higher. Uh, it, it genuinely helps a lot. I, I believe that because, yeah, just waiting for the enemy to attack me. I'm just like, all right, I'm just waiting. Yeah, come <laughs> we're, on. We're waiting. You had to cross them some mountains. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that would probably solve probably my big gripe with the game. And like, that's not to say, you know, it's something that has to be solved. I think just like Mm. my own taste is something that this game agreed with. Yeah. And I I think I also do like the simplified version of a complex game. Mm -hmm. I like those games a lot, especially when it's like intentionally done and done well. Uh, Brady said kind of similar stuff when I'd asked his feelings about this game. He had said, uh, in retrospect, Yu-Gi-Oh! TFK was one of the my first introductions to the strategy and JRPG genre. It shares the basis of a lot of elements that had gone to love and fire emblems, such as tactical unit movement, base management, stat management, and attack effectiveness. This, of course, flew over my head entirely as a little kid, where I used a game shark to get all the monsters and just blast through the game. Ooh, nice. Valid. valid man but when i was older and played the game the normal way with a game facts guide because in jrpg style a lot of the unlockables are obtuse i ended up finding a surprisingly decent amount of depth objectively it's a little slow and bare by today's standards and even was a bit back then tbh but as an og Yu-Gi-Oh anime fan this game absolutely Mm. slaps i honestly think it is an underrated gem in the strategy jrpg genre Mm. Nice. Which I agree with. I, I really had not heard of this very, very much. No. And again, didn't even really know that this kind of game existed. I thought it was like total war or nothing. man. <laughs> no middle ground. No. Mm-hmm. It's also like it reviewed really badly. <laughs> yeah. It's the Joe video hated it. Oh my God. Joe video hated it. And like, I, I think a lot of the outlets that I was seeing on wiki were not big fans. Game spy gave it a two out of five game spot, gave it a 3.1 out of 10. Game Informer gave it a six and a half. IGN three and a three point five out of ten. Three point five. <laughs> Man, brutal. I I think that's 
pretty low, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I understand maybe like we're in 2003 at this point. And so like, you know, Mario Sunshine has come out by now. And it's like, yeah. look at how good games can look. And yeah. this one, I would not say looks as no, good as that. No, I was a little shocked that it was a GameCube game. I'm like, huh? <laughs> I do wonder if this was maybe planned as like an N64 game or something yeah. like that. The graphic style is much more N64-esque. Yeah, it's pretty basic. But like, again, as I when I reach back to play games like this mm-hmm. in this era, that stuff just doesn't bother me very much. Absolutely. Like, yeah, true. And I think it's very... I think why games demand sometimes to be reevaluated and like re looked at mm-hmm. and why the reviews that happen in the moment are not necessarily like indicative of a game's quality because you know when we're in 2024 the difference between graphics of 2000 and 2003 are like yeah I can see the difference but it's not that important to me you know yeah. whereas at the time it was like if something didn't look cutting edge it was like what are we doing dude this shit sucks just going back now going <laughs> yeah. backward so yeah nice it's cool you watched Yu-Gi-Oh! did any of this feel like it was cool <laughs> i did watch Yu-Gi-Oh! i did like to see some of the some of the cards or the creatures from the cards that i liked yeah growing up yeah like celtic guardian i liked celtic guardian i thought it was a cool card sure um, cool design i was like oh yeah got celtic guardian already this is good <laughs> um and then the dra- the dragon you get at the end of the tutorial i think that was another card that right. i enjoyed as a, as a child and i do have some affinity for it. it's just the characters of Yu-Gi-Oh. so it was fun to see mm-hmm. them all again hear their their funny little voices in my head when i was reading their their text bubbles right which is great i wouldn't say i was a big Yu-Gi-Oh head uh, mm-hmm. as far as like the anime goes i honestly mm-hmm. i like i got like a tin or two of the cards and i just thought the cards looked neat they had cool designs designs that have very distinctive design flavor to them they do very much so remember i had like three of the pieces of exodia and i'm like i'm gonna get all the exodias there's like a a this bizarre mix of like kind of old english folklore and also egyptian gods and shit like that well it's all based on egyptian gods yeah but like there's there's stuff like the the celtic yeah that 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 kind of like bizarre influence where there's like i said this old english influence but then yeah Yeah. like anubis is a big deal yeah yeah there's like a strange amount of european like fantasy folklore yes. with the egyptian yeah. stuff and not much in between <laughs> yeah it's very strange it's yeah. like yeah either an egyptian god or like a skull or something yeah yeah know? spooky skeleton with a sword <laughs> i kind of like that it, I, I i was reading about Yu-Gi-Oh yesterday and i think that there was like initially it was pitched as like a horror show oh i think you see that influence in there because a lot of the monsters are like that's a spooky guy that's like they do have some fucked up looking monsters in there yeah talk about like the the difference from pokemon to pal world like this is nowhere near it despite being a card battler game yeah a card game with monsters yeah very different styles not the same at all i'm so shocked to see tetsuya nomoro not on this video game because like god the outfits in this shit are just bananas (laughs) the like belt that yugi wears around his neck all the time is so strange he always had a weird a weird style to him the hair too like i'm i'm not gonna sit here and cast stones out of my glass dragon ball z house and say whoa the hair is weird in this anime but like man the hair his hair just makes no sense i always would just be looking at it and like where are where is the depth how many layers are there to this hair is it layered is it one layer i don't know it kind of defies physics you know like the the outer like red purple layer seems to be just like an outline of the hair but there are also 
there's depth to it. The little like golden parts seem to move outside of it. Absolutely. It d- defies physics. I don't know how, how it works, but yeah, very fun character designs in there. I really like all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Extremely 2000s designs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They, I always love the character designs in those games. Mm-hmm. Mm. Kaiba's like eyes always being like a little bit shadowed by his like hair. that's mm. just all over his face. It's Did so you play funny. as Yugi or Kaiba? I played as Yugi. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I was, I was like, Ooh, do I want to be Kaiba? Is that going to be a very different story? I, I almost Yugi, texted though. you because I was like, which one are you doing? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, from what I understand, they're like very different stories. But I think Kaiba also gets sucked into the, the Ready Player One uh, sword art online mm-hmm. of it all. <laughs> Sure. And uh, I, I think has to fight in the war, too. If I remember correctly, all of your friends are like opposing generals in this like fight. Oh, they're enemies. Yeah, I, I think so. If I remember correctly, that's what it is. Very strange. But uh, fight your friends. Maybe it's fun. Fight your friends. Dominate them. It's good. Yeah. With your cool enemies. With Exodia. The Forbidden One. That's a really cool name. Oh, it's great. <laughs> That's really cool. His tack is called Obliterate. <laughs> oh, man. He's great. It's, you see him in the first episode of the, of the anime. Like, Kaiba's got three blue eyes, white dragons out, and you're like, Yugi's gonna die. Like, it's, he's gonna murder Yugi with these with these uh, ho- holographic cards. And then Exodia comes out and just blasts him to hell. Great. Very good. Yeah, shouts, shouts out Exodia. That's a sick, that's a sick name. Exodia, the Forbidden One. Just anything the Forbidden One's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, a, a critical inclusion in the name. <laughs> It feels so much like a Dark Souls title. Oh, absolutely. It's like right, right there. Ooh, I would play a Dark Souls style Yu-Gi-Oh game. I mean, let the let the people over at Liza P know. They'll, they'll, they'll cook something <laughs> up. <laughs> Yummy Yugi with a <laughs> with a little harpoon <laughs> arm. Uh, what a cool idea to make the cards different parts of a monster too. That's sick. Yeah, that's, that's a great cool. idea. That's a great idea. Got to combine. You got to get them all in your hand. Then you win. Automatic Ugh. win. And so it's like incredibly hard, but oh, yeah. still cool as hell. You got to believe in the heart of the cards, Chase. That is what that comes from, right? Yes. The heart of the cards is from Yu-Gi-Oh. Absolutely. He always talks about it. I must trust in the heart of the cards. <laughs> very final fi- or, uh, Kingdom Hearts. Very Kingdom Hearts. That is very Kingdom Hearts, isn't it? Again, mm-hmm. Tetsu Nomura, where are you? I know he's just lurking in here somewhere. I know that the heart of the cards is light. <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Maybe Yu-Gi-Oh is cool. I I, I mm. never thought it was bad, but like the shit's sick. It's a it's an interesting lore. You know that Yugi has the soul of a pharaoh inside of him from ancient Egypt, right? <laughs> Who is also named Yugi? I don't know. I don't know if he's his name is actually is also Yugi. The naming is so confusing because like that really threw me when I like saw clips of this on the internet and like suddenly this child <laughs> turns t- into like a big man <laughs> who kind of looks similar, but it just stands more confidently. Yes, it's. I was very confused by what was going on. Yeah, that's the Pharaoh. That's the Pharaoh who I think was responsible for like releasing the Egyptian gods or something. Something like that. I was reading the Wikipedia. You messed up somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And then got sealed inside the little pyramid that Yugi hangs around his neck. Good for Yugi. Good for Yugi. It's a big come up. Now I'm also a pharaoh. Wonder how much yeah, interest right. his fortunes amassed over the decade, over the, the eons. Probably a little bit. Probably a little bit. I don't know if they still take those coins that they got mm. living down there. But thankfully, they all made of gold, so we good. Yeah, true. It's actually dollars. If dollars, <laughs> dollars. Who's Benjamin Franklin? Never heard of him. <laughs> cool. Hey, do you do you have anything else to say about this game? Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! The Forbidden Kingdom? Is that the name of this video F- game? The False Bound Kingdom. The False Bound Kingdom. At like all day, I've been just like 
typing into Google the name of this thing. And every time I get to the, what is is the rest of it? I know it's a hard (laughs) name to remember for some reason. False bound is kind of a strange word. It is a strange word. It is a strange word. Maybe it would make sense by the end of the game. I mean, I get like, it's, it's, it's not a real place, right? No. So I guess you could consider you are that bound false bound, falsely like, to this virtual reality world. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, two shouts out. One, Brady, thank you for suggesting yeah, this fun game. I, I I liked this a lot. I enjoyed the Yu-Gi-Oh aspects of it. Yeah, I enjoyed the plotting, slow, nasty <laughs> tactics of it all. Nasty uh, tactics. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe you'll see Ogre Battle sixty four in your podcatcher at some point. I'd be Who interested. Knows? Also, the other shout out, Exodia. Shouts out Exodia. <laughs> Shouts out Exodia. Wherever you are, left leg of Exodia, especially, you're always my favorite. Number one. <laughs> it sounds like a brand of skate shoes from like Exodia. 2004. <laughs> I think because like Osiris was a band or a brand of sure, skate shoes. And so sure, like sure. Exodia feels right there. The rival brand of Osiris. Anyway, thank you, Brad. Thank you. Hello gamers, uh, it's me, Chase. I'm here to guide you through the outro. Let's see, if you want to interact with us, you can do so by going to podtimism.com. We have links to our email there, our Twitter, which is pretty much dead, but, and more appropriately, <laughs> our uh, disc- link to our Discord, uh, which is where you can come hang out in the Worst Garbage Network Discord. Um, it also has other cool shows like mm-hmm. Into the Aether or Frog of the Week or Can't Let It Go. Mm-hmm. All very good podcasts. So you can come hang out there. We got a little corner. You can uh, chat, chat it up. See the uh, the Ding Boy shorts if you want to. They're in there. <laughs> They're pinned. Uh, so yeah, it's a good time. Come hang out. Let's see. Uh, on that site, you can also check to see if we've played a game that you like before. Uh, and you can also suggest a game if you want us to play one that you like. We've got a bunch uh, sitting in our inbox. So uh, certainly no pressure to do so, but we always love seeing it. Even if we're not like covering it right away, it is like really amazing to see like what people are enthused about. Mm-hmm. So thank you for anybody who has done that already. And thank you to uh, anybody who will do that in the future. Yes. I've got both my bases covered. <laughs> Present and future. <laughs> Let's see if you want to help out the show. Uh, there's a couple things you can do. You can leave a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Um, those go a long way to help like the algorithm pick the show up and shit and show it to other people. Mm-hmm. But de- certainly the uh, more effective way is to show to a friend and say, Hey, I like Podtimism. Maybe you could too. You ever played Yu-Gi-Oh? Here's a show about it. Here, here it is. It's here. It's, it's much more effective uh, than us just relying on Mark's algorithm or something. Mm-hmm. what else uh th- thank you scout wilkinson for uh scout. your artwork that we are graced with being able to put on our podcast each week it's very good you've done a great service so <laughs> thank you scout thank you for your service uh, thank you for thank you for your service scout um if uh you want to check out scout stuff and what she's doing you can go to ko-fi.com slash humble goat and uh, you can see if she's got any commissions open i don't see any open right now so you'll just have to wait but uh Keep an eye on that space. Worth the wait. Worth the wait. Is, she really does great commissions. I uh, I just saw some of her work for another thing, um, and it's great. So thank you, Scout. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, the last person to thank, it's listeners like you. <laughs> sorry sorry to go P- PBS pilled on I Maine. know, right? What happened there? I'm Look at me PBS maxing. Is Big Bird going to come out of nowhere now? 
<laughs> no, thank you for listening. Um, you, you do us a great service by hanging out here and spending your hard-earned ear minutes with mm-hmm. us. You don't have to listen to this pod, but you chose to. So thanks for doing that. Uh, we love making the show and we are happy that people check in and chime in and see what's going on. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. David, you got any gaming wisdom for me? Gaming wisdom? Yeah. You said it like we've never done this segment before. What is that? What a concept. Uh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. If some sketchy guy comes out of a large corporation's headquarters, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. come on in. We got some really experimental stuff for you to come in and try. (laughs) Even if you're with your homies and you have the soul of an ancient pharaoh inside of you, maybe maybe think twice. Uh, Yeah, I would maybe not. Think twice. Also, heed the pharaoh's warning. I think that also goes without saying for most (laughs) things. If a pharaoh is warning you of something, heed those words. You need to heed. I've got the need for heed. I got the need to heed, baby. (laughs) Tell me what to do, pharaoh. The the newest need for speed reboot was really weird. It's very strange. (laughs) Just going around asking people to tell you to do things. I'm heeding any warning that will be told to me. Pardon me. Do you have any lost pharaohs that are stuck in your body that I might heed the warning of? Do they have warnings for anything? Scarab beetles? Please. I want to hear it. (laughs) I want to hear it all. Press A to heed. Press A to heed. (laughs) My goodness. I've got the need for heed, David. (laughs) It's a quick time event. There's one, only one button is heed and you have to choose which one it is before time runs out. There's heed, there's need, there's speed, there's greed. And of course, there's creed, David. You press it and just, can you take me higher? Starts playing immediately. I heard the news. It's, that's Something the other way to beat the quick time event. You could either press heed or creed. <laughs> they will also accept creed as an answer always. Yeah. It's a, it's always an option. Oh, man. I do accept creed. I do too. I heed creed for sure. I, I heed creed. Ooh. Got the heedance for credence. <laughs> oh, boy. We got to stop this episode. It's, it's flying off the rails, David. <laughs> It's becoming another Creed cast. Yeah. All right. Well, see you later. See you next week. Yep. See ya. Bye.